Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. God lets my body be. From each rip wound shall sprout a tree of fruit that exists only for you. My rosary beads will make you a laurel of crowns, medallions, and alleyway garlands no one but us can see. My love, let me be your unknown color. Let my back beget an Afro sun that turns inner deaths asunder that recolors all my ordinary worlds into beauty from scabs of black that hold poison rivers. Then, my love, I will swim into hell and part out its ashen seas. Love, our legs are a nation of labyrinths. I want to wander with you with no thought to go home and no law greater than your conceit. My riddles and scars I will lay at your feet and alchemize into acres of orchids. This program features the work of 2016 writer Robert Lashley. He spoke with curator Karen Finneyfrock about his work. Your project for Jack Straw is a book of poems called Up South. Tell me about it. I am a product and a son of Black Tacoma. My first book, the Homeboy Songs was, in a lot of ways, an ode to Black Tacoma, and in a lot of ways, me trying to process what I saw, being a person who went through a lot of shit, and also a person who was also a fortunate son to survive and get out of it. And the, the Homeboy Songs was a book that was that was basically me trying to process the crack era, me trying to process the hip-hop generation, me trying to process, uh, you know, this a certain time that I saw. And Up South is more of a book of my grandparents. It is a kind of a folk book. It is a book that is that's, that's roots are in the Great Migration and people who came here from the South and the kind of the culture that they set and the culture that is wiped away and has been wiped away in a lot of ways by gentrification and the complex ways that it's, being, that, it's, that it's been wiped away. One of the reasons I did this was to kind of have a post or just something to say that this this culture that I was raised with of aunties and uncles and, and, and kinfolk and, and just this culture of the South, up South was my way of, of preserving what I love and what held me for so long. You said, my passion is for neoclassical lyric style burnished by narrative structure. Tell me more about that passion. It begins with two words, my Uncle Mo. My Uncle Mo, Moses Williams, 
was the first poet in my family. He was from a he he considered himself from a singing school. He was born in 1920 in Valley, Mississippi, and he was a best friends of my of my grandfather, and he was an autodidact, and he he got the passion of of poetry of, of reading the anthology of, of Negro poetry when he was twenty one years old, and reading the Golden Slippers, an anthology of poetry by Langston Hughes and Arma Arma Bone Temps. He considered himself kind of a like an old school singing school style poet that that you know that was very interested in making a poem read orally and also read on the page. He was interested in folklore. He was interested in symbolism. He wrote nine poems before the war. He came back from the war. He could not write anything else. He was broken in a lot of ways because of the war and because of what he saw in, in the Jim Crow era. And it was also broken because he was very aware of the literary culture of the time. And he was very, he was very, in his, in his notes, he was very personally haunted by him coming home to an America that gave Ezra Pound 90% more rights for slurring it than they gave rights to him for sacrificing everything but his natural life. I know that as a poet, you work in both form and free verse, and I know you're passionate about form. I'd love to hear a little bit more about particular forms that you like to work in and what it is that makes you passionate about. Sure. Um, I kind of took after my uncle's notes calling for a, a formal poetry that has less in tune with the end rhymed and more in tune with like sprung rhyme and, and, and use of accents and use of, of slant rhymes and has a, has a commonality with, with speech. I've kind of taken my uncle's fight against the, the fugitives. The fugitives uh, by John Crow Ransom and Alan Tate that kind of reduced form poetry into kind of these very stratified roles and kind of stylistically worshipped the end rhyme and worshipped a certain amount of rules that were political in their own right in regards to content and what you couldn't say and what you could say. And I kind of took up my uncle and my grandfather's anger toward that and, and, and tried to write form in something that was kind of entirely different than a lot of what, what formalists are doing. Kind of like make sure like the, the rhyme is the last thing that you notice. Like just have it, have to, have it be organic. And um, I also like I like the villanelle. One thing I like I, I like about the villanelle is the the kind of the repetition. I find it very similar to call and response, and I love doing it in that way. And one of the things that I've been doing in this in this book, the new book, which is a risk for me is I've been really getting into blank verse, uh, like the kind of very, you know, the metered free verse popularized by uh, people like like Wallace Stevens and, and W.H. Auden and like people like Marianne Moore. And the, the risks for me with, with some of the stuff that I'm doing right now is that it's going away from the quote-unquote prototypical Lashley style. And as an artist, I didn't want to repeat myself. And that's the risk here. I'm, I'm so nervous. I'm going on on this limb. 
but um, I'm also excited. In addition to being a talented poet, you're also a tremendous reader of your own work. I'm curious, does the act of reading the poem aloud influence the creation of the poem? Um, what do the two have in common? They have an unbelievably complex relationship with each other in regards to each poem. It's like a case-by-case basis. Like, I, I take a pattern from my uncle. My uncle would read poems and just read through them and read them, read them soft, read them loud, read his drafts to get the right intonation. And he was very influenced by the, the, the poetry records in the middle of the 20th century. And, and a lot of spoken word artists really need to, to listen to some of those old records because, you know, people like Dylan Thomas, people like Auden, people like Marianne Moore, they wrote stuff that is great on the page. And they also just slay in reading. Like the dopest spoken word album I ever heard was W.H. Auden reading his poems. I'd love to hear just a little bit about your process. You know, where do the poems come from? They grab me. They're just spirits that just, that, that grab me to, to just write things down. And, and not just a first thought, best thought. Like sometimes it's an edit. And sometimes they, they tell me to rewrite a stanza. Sometimes it's just, they're just voices that say, you know, get this, get this right. Like, like there's a voice in my head telling me right now there are things about my grandmother's poem that, that's still, that's not tight yet. And, and what I do is I, I, when, I'm, when I'm writing, I listen to music. Um, I put myself in a relaxing situation. And I just let them, let them come out and just get that role going. And sometimes, sometimes I can be done with that role and it, it can be the next day. Um, so the new book, uh, and you've referenced your neighborhood that you grew up in Tacoma Hilltop, and the new book has a lot to do with that neighborhood. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about growing up in the Hilltop neighborhood? My father lived off and on in the Hillside Terrace housing projects in Hilltop between 1986 to 1994. For a time in the late 80s and early 90s, Hilltop was one of the most dangerous places to live in the nation. I was very fortunate. I had mothers and aunts who were on Section 8 and a mother that, after divorcing my father, got me further and further away from that neighborhood and would save money to the point where she had made down payment on a house and university place. So I had more resources than the people that I was close with in Hillside Terrace. The people who I was close with in Hillside Terrace aren't here anymore. And that's something that is, that is, that, uh, that I think of every day. The crack era, having a father who was a crackhead, uh, it's just something that's just, that's, that's just with me. But it is something that does not define my future and my character. Mm-hmm. 
Now we'll hear a selection from Robert's live reading. Some of my best poems come from grade B misdemeanors. And this is, um, I, I think, is one of them. This poem is called Abandoned Hip-Hop Activist Youth Center. Brown street lamps shudder. They make a pulse in the off-white light. They beat over the first sheen of hanging white flecks and empty building dust. They twitch over left gear, posters, boxes, and renovations on top of each other. Crack, 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 crack. They spotlight contracts and tatters. They highlight black words of old student letters but cannot make sentences cohere. They illuminate mixtapes of shared beats and creations visible only by tape signatures. Crack, 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 crack. Paint layers mask but cannot erase walls. Consoles and termites on top of each other are bodied and silhouetted in the glow. Smoke layers metastasize as the corner store crew attunes to the elusiveness of firecrackers. Noises exaggerate, the window gets blurry, and all who are left here are moving. Crack, 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 crack. Thank you. This poem, and I flipped the first two lines of with Laura Simborska's Travel LG, is called From the City Bus That Took My Black Ass to School, 4.51 AM. Everything is yours but on loan. Nothing in young memory to hold but semi-fictive sermons of bondage. Dreams of deliverance are in the blank spaces between lunch bags, promised lands, and Walkman. Dawn is messy, cold, and punishing, but it moves as it needs to move. In the iteration of the morning train, lights flash only as prequel. Cars drive slow or giantly kinetic in streets that feel like highways. Black turns to blue, turns to slant shades of gray as the vision lines from plain glass blur. Vision comes to offices, churches, and strip malls, empty as Monday cathedrals. In the pre-dawn, Beulah is fixed and fluid. The view of the finish line before the weight of the journey is illusory in county bus blocks. The memory of buckets kicked, lived, and cast are invisible, yet harder than matter. In wilderness, the outside is a window melange of a hundred rainbow signs. Thank you. One of the things I wanted to do in a personal aspect in my new manuscript up south is to to work on forgiving some of the stuff my father did as a crack addict. This poem is called The Time He Wanted to Talk to Some Niggas at the Pier About Being a Kingpin. Bones in freighted memory shock. Bones he calls on as he's left by the dock, but they respond too contrary to his wants. Fairy brothers 
vivified and baptized in coke sweat, throw him blitzed in the water. Water masks wash, but they stake. Water spirits prices and absence are great as they dunk him in drug face by the shore. Among food mixed with grains, among grains mixed with scores, the hoods debaptize their debtor. He does his buck dance under boxes of fire, but they dip him in his dirt-littered suit. The fiend cries, and hoodlums laugh. And babble, the junkie articulates half his descent past his frozen face. In ice, all burning tragedy and farce are colonies that rejigger his cheeks. Tolst thuds right off to continue their haunts, leaving him in the water with his tongues. Thank you. I don't know where this one came from, this next poem. The husband of the first woman pub punished by the laws of Moses. The Eshel roots would not burn for him. The snakes aside his desperate recompense do not whisper but circle up dirt clouds. Take me from the caverns. Stone me by the millward, crack the commandments on top of my skull, burial my body in deserts and swamps till I have cleaned my definition of clean. The chill, though faint, unconceals the sunset. The moon starts to figure every stone in Samaria, but is invisible to bandages and eye sockets. I have denied her, and now I deny the seraphs. I junk the horns of Gabriel, every neck and every lute, till it sounds take no pretense of pleasure. The roosters crow, but do not weep as he roars at every fortified wall. The roosters are immobile, but sound is above lightning and circular retraces and migrations. The roosters connect to their various spirits in polyphonies outside of his mind. I have denied her. Now I disfigured my gates. I bludgeon myself as I need to be bludgeoned. I walk around the deserts with caverns for eyes in witness replacing vision. Thank you. Thank you. One of the things um, I wrote about in the Homeboy songs and one of the things I'm writing about in Up South is a kind of a different vocabulary in regards to masculinity and machismo and sexuality. And um, I used to be a boxer and people uh, ascribe, you know, they, they, they come with a certain assumptions when they find that out. And, um, and this is a poem that I finished to kind of, kind of disabuse people of those assumptions. And I flip a title of a Gene Tumor poem and a line of it. It's called Pyrrhic Victory at the Corner Exhibition Boxing Match. The ring was spung in knuckle pixels. Tremors rearranged in the fronts of your skull loop and hooks, right crosses and talons, in pistons so heavy, disoriented and dull, yet on contract struck oil on your nose. Your eardrum, your eyelashes they hated, 
Your lips they threatened with copper wire to come in by alleys and corners. Your mouth so intimate with drawls of blood made by their insertion, force, and knuckles. Fight! Be a man! Swallow it down the kingling of your lungs. Brave through the need to cry for your moms. And look at him, beat red as the bell rings. And look at him and think in another life we could have been homies. And as you are on the backs of several, know you have got a gift. The glory not for you, but your whippings. Your blood trials by fire with you on top, the card stacked so heavy in your favor. Don't look at him there, alone from his crew. Don't look at the cornermen by him. I thank you all very much. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production. The 2016 curator of this program is Karen Finneyfrock. This episode of Sound Pages was produced by Daniel Gunther and Levi Fuller. Recording engineers are Steve DeTori, Daniel Gunther, Mo Preventure, and Tom Stiles. Narrator is Alyssa Keene. And executive director of Jack Straw Cultural Center is Joan Rabinowitz. Theme music by the Seattle Jazz Composers Ensemble. Produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening.